This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, December 1st, 2013. All I want for Christmas, what the people wanted. Good morning, Connection Community Church. It is great to be with you this morning. My name is Carrie Jones. My name is Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, a day that it's no accident that any one of us are here together today worshiping your holy name, checking you out, seeing who you are and how uh, you affect our lives. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to grow together. And now settle us in that we might hear your scripture and be able to apply it to our lives. We pray this in your name. Everybody gathered said, amen. All I want for Christmas. Um, So if you listen to Mariah Carey back in uh, 1994, I know many of you weren't around back then, but back in 1994, the the focus of her Christmas list was all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. Go back um, 50 years before that, back to 1944. Public school music teacher Donald Gardner would say, All he wanted for Christmas was his two front teeth. He's the one that wrote that song after asking the second graders in his class the question and noticing that nearly every student there was at least missing one front tooth as they all answered with a lisp. They wanted that for Christmas so they could wish you a, with you, a Merry Christmas, right? I know y'all want to say that. I wish you a Merry Christmas. You got to get the with, with you, a Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right, so let's <laughs> get serious there. here. Uh, let's go back in time, actually 2,000 years ago, and consider how the people of that time would complete that statement, all I want for Christmas is. You see, there were different groups of people, and each one would answer that question a different way. Today, our focus is on how the everyday people, the ordinary people, people like us, would answer that question, all I want for for Christmas is. Yeah. Some of the people would have said, all I want for Christmas is is a place to stay and some food to eat. You see, that's because many, many people were in town in Bethlehem, the place where Jesus was born, that first Christmas, because the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, had issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and at that time Israel was part of the entire Roman world. Everyone was supposed to go to their family's uh, hometown uh, to register. Joseph who was engaged to Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. Joseph was a descendant of King David, and therefore uh, his hometown was Bethlehem, or also known as David's town. So Joseph and Mary traveled approximately 80 miles from Nazareth, where they lived south, about 80 miles, to Bethlehem to register for the census. I doubt as they traveled that they realized that they were fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. Here's the prophecy found in Micah chapter 5. This is the message version. But you, Bethlehem, 
David's country, the runt of the litter. From you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Meanwhile, Israel will be in foster homes until the birth pangs are over and the child is born and the scattered brothers come back home to the family of Israel. He will stand tall in his shepherd rule by God's strength, centered in the majesty of God revealed. And the people will have a good and safe home, for the whole world will hold him in respect, peacemaker of the world. Mm. So, because of the census, in addition to uh, Joseph and Mary, there were many, many people there in Bethlehem to register for the census that uh, Caesar Augustus had called for. The result then was that when Joseph and Mary arrived, they hadn't planned ahead, they hadn't made reservations, and so there was no room for them in the inn, as what Scripture tells us. And the result being that the baby Jesus was placed at birth in a manger or an animal feeding trough, Scripture tells us, the couple apparently staying in the only available space, which would have been a stable. So a place to stay and some food to eat would have been the Christmas wish for the many who were in town to register for the census that first Christmas day. And that may be the wish of many today as well. <laughs> A major want, something else that people may have been looking for, wanting for Christmas, is that they wanted a Messiah. They wanted the Messiah to come. People were very familiar with the prophecies in the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. They knew about Micah. They knew about Isaiah, who said that a Messiah would come. <coughs> Excuse me, the anointed one. And that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, the house of bread, which we talked about on Wednesday night together when we celebrated Thanksgiving. The challenge was they didn't know when this was going to happen. And so they just expected and waited and wondered. You see, this prophecy had been delivered 700 years before, seven centuries before. And so the people just continued to hope and expect and wait for a very long time. Yeah, there were many, many, many Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, and the people were familiar with them, having been to, uh, to the uh, synagogue or the temple and hearing the scriptures read. From the book of Numbers, they knew that the Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob. From the prophet Zechariah, they knew that he would be called king, that he would be righteous, that he would bring salvation, that he would be gentle and would ride on a donkey, which in fact, Jesus did many, uh, several years later, as he uh, came into town on the day we celebrate as Palm Sunday. People knew what the prophet Isaiah had said, which included that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and would be called Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Perhaps one of the most well-known words from the prophet, the prophetic word, came from Isaiah. You might recognize some of Isaiah's words if you've ever heard Handel's Messiah. Anybody know about the Messiah? Then you're going to uh, recognize some of these words. Handel composed this in 1741. 
Here's what God shared through the prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Say the last line with me, will you? The The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yeah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely, it sure does. Those images of a prophet, a priest, the king, they make a picture, a great picture of the expected Messiah. Who were the people expecting? It seems the most prevalent, the most striking expectation of the people uh, that people had was uh, for a king in the image of King David. David, who was a warrior king who had uh, overcome enemies to, to unite the kingdom of uh, Judah and Israel. Uh, he had been in battle over and over and over, and, and they looked for the one who would be in battle again to bring Israel to its former glory. It's hard to blame them, as there were many, many Old Testament references to the Messiah and his connection to King David. And so when it was all said and done, Later on, much later after the birth, after Jesus had resurrected, after he'd spent some time with his disciples, the risen Savior with the disciples, just prior to ascending to heaven to be with God the Father, even after all that time together, the disciples asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, are you going to do this Israel thing? Are you going to bring us back to our former glory? Are you going to take charge and make it happen? So even his closest followers didn't get it. Remember, they'd been traveling with him. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen healings. They heard Jesus talk, kingdom talk. But the kingdom that Jesus spoke of was not the kingdom of Israel, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And yet, they were like many other Jews of that time, still wondering when the Messiah would come, still wondering if Jesus was going to do his impersonation of King David. They were waiting for that warrior king to restore the kingdom of Israel. There is speculation today that among scholars that the reason that Judas betrayed Jesus was because he wanted Jesus to be this... um, political revolutionary, hoping that Jesus would overthrow the Roman government and restore Israel. Mm. And so you have this image of a warrior king, and then you have the other extreme of expectation in in terms of an image of a suffering servant who is described as such much later in the book of uh, Isaiah, up in chapter 53. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. 
but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was let off. Did anyone really know what was happening? Say the rest with me. He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. And so if you'd ask the people what they were expecting, many would say a Messiah. But if you asked what he would look like, you would get a variety of answers from prophet to priest, <clears throat> from um, uh, warrior king to suffering servant. Uh, they would have told you that they'd been expecting this gift for centuries. As Carrie said, uh, Isaiah was from like, and Micah was 700 years previous. They've been waiting and expecting for centuries. Yet in reality, given some thought to this, I doubt that many or even any were actually expecting him on the night when he actually came. You know, we're very good at talking about the great things that God does, the, the miracles we hope for and even expect from God. Yet when God delivers, and God does deliver, we're usually very surprised, aren't we? It's funny how that happens. As though, in spite of our chatter and our talk as to who God is and what God can do, in spite of that, we truly never really expect God to deliver at times, do we? It's funny. Well, the people at that time certainly were not expecting how Jesus came. Born to an unwed mother, she was probably 13 or 14 years old, who lived 80 miles north in a town called Nazareth. She gave birth in a place called Bethlehem because she and Joseph had been told by the emperor that they needed to go home to register. It was census time. They would have not expected the Messiah, the anointed one, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, to be born in a stable, in straw, with animals around, because there was no room for him to be born anywhere else. You know, even though they'd been expecting him for centuries, when he finally got there, no one really even noticed. Well, hardly anyone. Maybe his parents, of course, they noticed. I'm sure Mary noticed. Mary probably noticed. <laughs> they didn't have those knockout drugs back then, so she definitely noticed. Sure, Joseph, and some of those animals, maybe a lowing cattle or two, and... Um, some shepherds who the angels had told to get into town, and some wise men from the east. They, uh, that's pretty much it of those who paid attention. Everybody else kind of went 
about their lives, business as usual that night, Look, <laughs> looking for a place to stay and something to eat. <laughs> so the question is this, <clears throat> what about you? What about you? When Christmas gets here this year, and it is December 1st, so Christmas is coming. It's coming. It's coming. 24 shopping days. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Here's the question. Will you go about your life, business as usual? Will you just continue on as if nothing big is happening? Because something big is happening. But are we going to be like everybody else and just keep on going that hustle and bustle, tinsel and trees, pies and presents? Are we too busy? Are we too busy to recognize that Jesus is even in our midst? Do we even know it? Do we even feel it? Do we even experience it? Because we just get too busy. I guess I'm lecturing myself. We, am I alone in this? No, we just get too busy working, family, school, whatever it is, and all that's important. But it's important to set aside time have you allowed time? If it takes scheduling it in, schedule it in. Write in your date book, you know, seven to eight in the morning, pray, meditate, whatever. Schedule it in. If you're expecting Jesus, the next question is, which one are you expecting? A prophet? A warrior king? A priest? A suffering servant? How about the baby in the manger? I think we all are expecting that one because that's the one that we're familiar with at Christmas time. That's the one that we celebrate his birth. God with us. Emmanuel, God in the flesh, born to a Virgin Mary. Mm. Here's the thing. No matter what image, what picture you have of Jesus this Christmas, um, <coughs> prophet, priest, warrior, king, suffering servant, baby in a manger, Here's one thing we'd like you to remember above everything else. The one who lies in that manger, the one who finally fulfilled all the prophecies and expectations of old, the one whose birth um, is, is the reason for all the celebrations and preparations. Above all else, this image of Jesus, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior, the one who came to save you and me, the one who allows us to be certain that God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son born in that manger so that we would not perish, but we would live with him Forever. through eternity. Yeah. And eternity starts now. We don't have to wait till we die if we take him in so that we might not perish and, and 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 he came not to condemn the world but to save the world the savior to save you and me from each other <laughs> from ourselves hoping that each of us would uncover that person that god created us to be when god thought of us so long long ago helping us to know that God loves us, that he loves us, flaws and all, just like we are, but too much to allow us to stay 
right where we are. Amen. So our series this December, this Christmas time, is All I Want for Christmas. <laughs> and this week, we've looked at what the people want, the ordinary people, who they were looking for, the one who had been promised hundreds of years prior, the suffering servant, the warrior king, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, God in the flesh, the one who today saves us from our sin, the one who today came so that we would have purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. He came to save us from all the stuff that bogs us down, that beats us up, from the pain, from the sadness, from the sorrow, only to bring peace. That's the one who comes. So, we're back to the same question. What do you want for Christmas? And we'll paraphrase, who do you want for Christmas? I'm not talking some human person. But which Jesus are you expecting for Christmas? Are you expecting him at all? If not, we would encourage you to really consider today who he is and what he can do for you, which is a life of peace and grace and mercy. Jesus, that's who we celebrate today and all the days of our lives. Amen? Let's pray. God, as we consider who you are and whose we are, we're very humbled. We're humbled that we even get to be in your presence. We're humbled that you loved us so much that you came to walk the earth and, and preach and teach and then die for us to take on all the sins of the world and to free us. We're so grateful. And now, Almighty God, as we move into this time of Holy Communion, quicken our hearts, open us up so that we might experience you. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. <clears throat> Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.